Teach Me Sentai, a podcast where we're taking a look back at the Power Rangers and the Japanese series that gave it its inspiration and footage, Super Sentai. I'm Natalie Bridgman. And I'm John McDonough. And if you would like, you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash teachmesentai. John, what are we doing today? I am so excited that we are watching good episodes of Super <laughs> Sentai. We're back in Die Ranger. It's episodes five through eight. It's two two-parters. It's, I'm just excited to talk about these. I feel like we yeah. were bummers our past couple episodes. No bummers today. <laughs> yeah, these ones These ones are fun. These ones are really fun. So Yeah, I, I yeah. think it's going to be a great time. If you did miss our first Die Ranger episode, I guess you could just go listen to it. It's one episode of a podcast. But yeah. the Die Ranger out. <laughs> are chi-powered <laughs> young people who live in modern day in the 90s Tokyo. One of them, a Chinese immigrant, and they fight the evil Gorma and their yo power using their chi power and that's everything (laughs) yeah and that's it that's really all you need to know because honestly that's all we know yeah they discovered that this conflict dates back to an ancient six thousand year old civilization maybe more on that today but other than that you're caught up let's just boogie shall we yeah go into it okay so our like (laughs) these episodes like we said it's two two two-parters so there's a lot here it's a rich text it is a rich text i have so many notes and i think we do get a lot uh, like a window into some of the ragers kind of personal lives Mm -hmm. more kind of um starting with rin our pink ranger she apparently goes to college yeah, Fun. she's a university student, um, a, a transfer university student from wherever the hell she was going in China. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, college is not that much different from high school in terms of your flexibility. You can just, like, dart off whenever. It's kind of up to you. But she, she so she goes to college. We open up episode five with her kind of coming out of class. And there's this girl, Megumi, who runs up to her, gives her a gift, which is a hairpin of a phoenix, which is really nice, but ostensibly out of nowhere. She just wants to be friends with her. And Rin is trying to come up with a, like, a reason to be like, hey, I can't really hang out. Yeah, I have lots <laughs> of stuff to do sometimes, mysteriously, and I don't want to have to answer your questions. But I do kind of want yeah. friends. <laughs> right, she's like, that would be nice, but I can't really do it. But like, I can't tell you why in any meaningful way. This hair clip is so funny to me because they keep focusing it. I'm just going to spoil it. It's no, nothing. go ahead. Yeah. There's like no. no significance to this hair clip. But like it kept feeling like the hair clip was going to do something. And it is like yeah. a phoenix, which is the animal, the, the beast that is associated with the pink dye ranger. Just right. a hair clip. Just a hair clip. Coincidentally, like that Megumi is just like, I think Rin would like this. And she doesn't know anything about anything. Like she doesn't know that she's a ranger. Like Rin is debating, telling her. But like just coincidentally is like these are all lining up and it's all feeling like it's intentional, but it's not. It's just vibes. She loves China, which also like, yeah. I can imagine I've never been in the situation where like people are making friends with me because of my country of origin. I've always been in America, right. but like, I feel like that would make me be like, I actually don't want to be friends with you. Yeah. 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 Another thing about these two episodes, I think specifically that made me feel like maybe weirdly 
comforted but not really is that even other east asian cultures can be have like weird cringy orientalism about china let's yeah. just yeah so that's present here it's weird but anyway so she's debating on what to tell megumi like why can't she hang out which is like i think we can all relate to that yeah except for most of us it's like i just kind of don't want to <laughs> i just kind of don't have the spoons for that today yeah <laughs> and these lips show up and then quickly like morph into this really really cool person <laughs> this this really cool bad guy for this two partner it's this lady and she's a lipstick lady <laughs> Lipstick songstress. She right, is. but that's her official name. But whatever. <laughs> Lipstick lady is pretty accurate. I, I mean, the Die Ranger <laughs> monsters continue to be just a gift. Yeah, it's, she's like so hot. Good. She's got a big lipstick on her head. She's yeah, her sword she's is a big vain. set of lips. I'm obsessed yeah. with her. Yeah, she's great. So she like starts to attack. Rio shows up out of nowhere to like actually like fight back because Rin is so thrown by this experience. Megumi gets caught in the crossfire and the lipstick songstress puts like a nice powerful dark lip. It's purple mm-hmm. on Megumi and suddenly like Megumi is under her control, but we don't really see like in what way until much later. Yes. Spoiler alert. She's part of a women's ensemble choral group. But evil. That's the songstress part. Like, here's the thing. Yeah, but evil. Here's the thing about this this monster is I feel like the whole first part of this two-parter, which is this episode, is focusing on the vanity, the lipstick part of her name. And then the second, like, the later part of this episode and the second episode is like, this is a music thing, mm-hmm. too. But we do see a bunch of the compatriots who, like, waving conductors batons. We, like... For some reason, in these episodes, they've decided that we need to, like, have the minions appear in interesting, silly ways. I'm not mad about this, but... No, definitely not. There are conductor minions. So, yeah, but it's very much like a, a girls are fighting moment, because this is a Rin-centric episode. Not in a way that we would like, but it is. And then Rio is, like, defending her. He gets hurt. They retreat. They go back to, the, like, the... They're like control center. It's not. What is it? It's just like this dingy room and there's like oil cans there all the time. I don't really get it. Yeah. Before they go back there, they do have a brief mecha fight, which is important. Yeah. Right. We realize that this magic music attack that's done with these captured people is overwhelming for Ruseo and he retreats from the fight. Right. And actually the Zord itself, the Dragon Zord himself is like injured and has to go recover but so back at their like for lack of a better word command center because i don't know what they would like to call it yeah master kaku's weird basement (laughs) basically they have this like very brief conversation rin feels really bad for not getting into fight as soon as possible although she was delayed by like the minions it's not like she wasn't trying she was just actively stalled needless guilt yeah, she feels so bad about it. And the rest of the boys are all like, that's you right, should. you should feel bad. <laughs> it's, it's very goofy because it's like, yeah. Rin seems fine. Yeah, like she's beating herself up. And like, I think in an episode of like Power Rangers, they'd be like, no, you tried your best. But on like, Die Ranger, they're like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you woman, fucked this up for us. Women can't do anything. It's uh, and, um, very goofy. And they leave her behind. It's awful. Master Kaku kind of explains a very weird frame that we don't have to worry about much beyond this, which is that it requires an overwhelming amount of chi power to 
power resale and keep him under control. And Master Kaku has been secretly, without telling the boys, powering him from afar. Yeah, with his own brain. Yeah, with his own delicious, great powers. But now, because of this attack and the injury, like, that's just not going to work anymore. So the boys are, like, off to... I don't know, hope to take the monster down without needing the... Th- it's not clear. But that is a, a stakes of this episode. The Rusail, yeah. not available. Right. And so they leave Rin, and she feels even worse. And so she goes to, like, let off some steam out in the woods. And then I just want to, like... <laughs> it's not, like, super critical to the plot, but then, like, the Green Ranger shows up, and he's like, stop. I want to see you smile more. And that's it. That's the end of that scene. That's the it's... whole scene. I do think it's super critical <laughs> in the plot. Because at this point now, Shoji, Daiko, and Ryo have all flirted with this bitch. Like It is like a love square. <laughs> it's too much, to be honest. And like, Daiko does it the creepiest. We can all admit it. Yes. Like, yeah. And Kazu is not interested because he's still very gay. Remains very gay yeah. in these four episodes. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, oh, so like all of them. All of them are after her. Okay, okay, okay. One girl. This is a problem. But they also don't really think that she adds to much to the team right now. Because yeah. they were like, we can leave you behind. But they like You're looking You're hot, at but stay here. We love watching you stand there while we walk away. Right. Women can't do anything. They're just hot. It's awful. Anyway. But the power of Dago's flirtations give Rin a vision. They do. They give her like this weird vision of these colored balls and the phoenix zord or, or whatever, the mystical beast. And she's just very confused about why this is happening Or She goes to Master Kaku and he's like, oh my god, those are the heavenly treasure Lili balls. I Which thought they were lost forever. Very fun to say. I, wherever you're listening, just say Lili balls out loud. You'll have a good time. Just say And say it about five or six times because that's what they do per episode. That's true. These... That's true. <laughs> it's crazy. Lili balls. I don't get it. But anyway. I'm sure they have some sort of like mythological significance. Like I don't think they made right. this name up, but maybe they did. Right. Well, so here's the thing. This is where I really wish that we, like, understood Japanese so it wouldn't... Maybe maybe this isn't as silly as it sounds. Like, maybe this is a translation thing. Maybe they're saying something that makes a little bit more sense. I don't know, but we can't know that because we don't know Japanese. Yeah, my brief Google did not turn up anything. So, like, it, <laughs> I, I don't know if there's some, like, mythological sense. Most of what it turned out is, like, do you want to buy toys? But maybe uh, it's not just Goofy. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. But basically this revelation that there's these Lila balls really brings Rin into action. And she goes after the boys to join the fight. Also, crucially, <laughs> what we need to remember is that during this fight, Rin is able to scar Lipstick Songstress's face. Mm-hmm. Which is just delicious and she is <laughs> so mad fun about it she's so mad and it's like great she's so vain there's a moment where she's like oh my god my face and looks into a mirror she has like one of the minion people hold up a mirror to her face and then she's like can't stand it she breaks the mirror it's great that happens and so then when she returns to helping the boys after they've been defeated by the the gorma again she like transforms and then she starts having a vision again falls to the ground she's gonna be hit by a lipstick song dress but then she vanishes 
And then the other three minions who are who have been like supervising are like, oh, my God, we have to get out of here. And then Rin wakes up unmorphed in China. But we don't know that right away. (laughs) But it's just like a desert landscape, basically. Yeah, I did sort of appreciate like, I think sometimes it's easy to forget from like an American perspective that like China is giant and has Mm -hmm. so many different like biomes because it's. Yeah. And so like you see desert and like my brain doesn't instantly go to China. They are. She is in China, which Master Kaku just knows. But like it it was sort of like, oh, where's this? Oh, it's China. Oh, yeah. I guess that makes sense. That was the, the, the order my brain went through. And so and that's like how the episode ends is her being in this like desert, not really knowing like where she is. So it's not like this is a familiar place to her, even though she's from China, which makes sense. Why would it be? And we, and then the boys have to, like, go and try to find her. They have to figure out why she's there. And these visions are persisting. Yeah. So. Interestingly, when she disappears, Shaddam, the Gorma commander, seems to be like, oh, no, this is bad. We all have to retreat. So, mm-hmm. like, that's how the boys don't get messed up by Lipstick Songstress. But, like, it does set up an, a weird, like, oh, why do the Gorma represent this? Which I thought was kind of cool. And, like, only sort of pays off, but, like, was an yeah. interesting cliffhanger. <laughs> Yeah, I think the way that both of these two parters end is actually, like, really cool. Like, considering that last time we had a three-parter that really could have been one episode and was needlessly drawn out by the Power Rangers, this having these two-parters that are actually, like, paced well is really fun. Yeah, and, and I think that Die Ranger is really coming into with this episode. I felt like, like, it's paced, like, we are in fights all the time. Like, constantly, mm-hmm. constantly doing action scenes. But, like, they still manage in these episodes to, like, have stories in and around those in a way that, like, I'm sure if we compared it to how long they spent fighting in G-Ranger, it would be, like, way more. Because we were just, like, constantly yeah. fights. But, like, it's fun. It works. It feels like things are moving now and we're, like, more grounded in the characters after even just this first episode. Definitely. And, yeah, it definitely represents, like, kind of a story economy that it's just, like, taking us a minute, I think, to get used to. Because it's a little bit off format to be honest because there's just so much more fighting that like we only get very small beats of story but they're really really important yeah yeah and they're making the most of it in a lot of ways yeah that leads us to episode six break through the wind yeah we pick up with rin she's in china her communicator's not working of course because why not she has another vision we realize that ho her like mythical beast which Pokemon fans will recognize that name. Pokemon. All of all of these <laughs> names, so like Tenma Ranger, can, like these are Chinese mythological beasts. Uh, so like you will encounter them in other places that engage with these things. But anyway, her beast has brought her here to try to free them. She realizes, and she through this vision realizes that the temple that they astral projected to in last episode is nearby, and so she's gonna take off for it. And then, kind of inexplicably. The boys are also in a Jeep nearby. I don't know how they got there. I don't know how they knew where to go. But they're in China now. (laughs) It it does make it seem like China's just like one state over. It's just like really weird. Yeah. And like they can't teleport. We have had episodes. No. In episode two, Shoji had to like hold off enemies on a boat while they took their times like motorcycling over. They have somehow very quickly made it to China. And they don't have Ruseo. I don't. I don't know. We're, but we're just going to go with that because they're yeah. there and they're looking around for her. 
And of course, the Gorma and Lipstick Songstress are there as well. Uh, we realize that Shaddam knows that Rin's visions are going to lead her to free the other mythical cheap beasts who weren't controllable without the heavenly Lilai balls. And so, like, they are intent on stopping it. And Lipstick Songstress is happy about this because she is intent still on getting her revenge on Rin. Because she scarred her face. So the boys get attacked by minions. Rin gets attacked by Lipstick Songstress. She's, like, just better at fighting in this episode. I guess she's, like, feeling less bad about herself (laughs) yeah i guess she's just like she maybe she like thought about it she's like you know what all that shit before wasn't really my fault maybe she processed it it's going okay i guess but then she is like hit with a big blast and loses her morpher her aura changer and here comes the demon choir these five girls in heavy eyeshadow controlled by lipstick songstress including megumi rins back to feeling guilty but like this thing happens that happens several times where like Mm -hmm. when they sing you're like not in control and you're like oh i don't know what to do and then like there are a few beats in this episode where that's happening and then whoever is being controlled is just like, okay, I'm just going to do something now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's very plot convenient. And in this t- one, there is this like zoom in on Rin's, the barrette. The barrette. Yeah, the, the Phoenix <laughs> yeah. thing that is like, oh, is that protecting her? No, it's not. Well, it's just- I know. I, w- I was wondering too, because they were doing that multiple times in the fight where she's like turning her back to the choir and I'm like, is Megumi going to like break out of this because she sees the hairpin or whatever? What's happening here? Nothing happened. It really makes so. you feel like it's something. <laughs> it is not yeah. something. I don't no. get it, but we're going to go with it because Rin, sure enough, is able to be like, oh, I'm okay. I'm going to run away and runs away. And the boys, mm-hmm. of course defeat the minions because those are just minions they find the aura changer they know they're close so rin ends up in the room with the with the murals of the mythical beasts that we saw in the actual projected form and through her vision sort of realizes there's this tucked in the shadows side room and inside finds ruseo just like hanging out licking his wounds he has been part of like leading her here and he is in this room with the lilac balls i don't know why he's just like hanging out with them has no desire to bring them out to, like, help anything. He doesn't have any fine motor, like, mechanisms. He can, like, he, he can turn into a very person small. with hands. But they're so small. His yeah, hands are okay. so big. That's fine. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, but, of course, they're attacked by a giant lipstick songstress. There's a big, like, cave-in. Ruseo saves her. Yeah. So, like, again, we have sentient zords in this season much like in g ranger and these ones are a little less like down to clown than i think the gods of g ranger were but right ruseo is willing to save her and and gets her out of there but he is damaged there were a couple moments in g ranger where the guardian beasts stopped helping them yeah but i like here's the thing like those i forgot like they were gods so like it kind of makes sense but these How guys are just forget? <laughs> I know, I had a whole theology. Yeah, there's no God but Daisushin. <laughs> I can do all things through Daisushin, who strengthens me. Right. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It, they are a little bit more independent, though, and, like, willing to help. Whereas I, the, the Zuranger Legendary Beasts were like, we're gods, I guess. I think, honestly, Legendary Pokemon isn't, like, a bad cop. Where it's like, I am, like, very yeah. smart and somewhat sentient, but, like, I can be made to work with you if you're strong enough. Right. Or capable enough. Or you have Heavenly Lilac Balls. Enough gym badges. That's oh, right. Same thing. Same exact thing. Of course, <laughs> because it's now Ruseo and Lipstick Songstress and as a giant, the boys easily catch up with Rin and everyone morphs. And Ryu hops in 
Ruseo and changes to his warrior mode. So he's like at least in control for now because Ruseo mm-hmm. is like willing to, to play along. But here comes that diddly dang demon choir. And this is like our second like, oh no, we're stuck. None of us can do anything because of the choir until Rin's just like, I'm just going to keep the plot going now. Yeah. She does. She's like at the side of the cave in. And she's like, you know what? I have chi power. I have wind chi power. Wind is cool. I'm super strong and does her straight line tornado attack. Blasts Mm -hmm. open the entrance and frees the Lili balls. So with this, we finally meet the rest of our mythical beasts, Tenma, Shishi, Keelan, and Ho. Those are all Chinese mythical monsters. So yeah, that's why they look like that. I think they actually reflect the Chinese mythical monsters image pretty well. Yeah. And it's weird when it's just like the lion thunder sword. (laughs) It's like, it's not just a lion, but whatever. It's worth what, what we got. Ever in <laughs> They all jump onto, there's our bad. This is like maybe my favorite thing in the whole episode. And like their no, feet I like get it. latched in to like the heads mm-hmm. where they ride them. And then we get so many action figures on sword yeah. shots. Uh, Hell yeah. I, I will just never get enough of little tiny action figures riding around these like remote control cars that they've built. <laughs> that are the non-main swords. Yeah. They're all able to use their chi powers in the beast, which is pretty cool. So we like see versions of like the chi attacks we've seen them all do, including like that straight line tornado. But it's like coming from the heavenly guardian beast things, uh the guardian heavenly chi beast. What are they called? I don't know. I feel like it changes all the time. It uh, does. It's just like the name of the sword and Power Rangers. They just like change it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Heavenly and Chi are said a lot. But yeah, it's like a pretty cool moment. And they all form together into a floating platform that is called the Heavenly Sky Chi Palace, which is just like a big platform that Ruseo can ride around in his warrior form. Is it stronger? I don't know, but it looks pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I like... It's really just like, you could have this for Christmas if you are really good. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a commercial for that. But very it is neat. that. Very that. He uses his windmill finisher. I still like it whenever they show the little hands starting to spin around. Lipstick mm-hmm. Songstress is destroyed. The Doom Choir is, of course, saved, including Megumi. And Kaku is like, Rin, you're not a total piece of shit after all. <laughs> As a matter of fact, she is a descendant of the Dai civilization. And um, yeah. That means she has really great potential to become super duper strong. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> it Literally, he's just like, yeah, I really didn't want to tell you this, but you're going to become more powerful than I am. But anyway. But like, you're also like, I guess you're not totally useless. And I feel like there is, they like play up the fact that everyone is flirting with her because like both Rio and Daigo have like a little moment with her as this fight is ending. Yeah. Like, it's just like a look, but it's, right. it's really just like, what? Let's pick a lane here or let's lean into the love triangle. But like, it's all minor enough that it's like, I can't tell if they are flirting, but major enough that like, they definitely are. It's just like, is this a story or not? Right. And I don't, I don't know them enough to know what they're going to do at this point. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to be hanging out with Shoji in the next episode again. Who knows? She is keeping her options open. We love that for Rin. I'll miss Lipstick Songstress. Oh my god, her last words. What are they? I didn't write them down. They're beautiful women always die young. God, that's special. <laughs> Isn't it though? The, the monsters in Die Ranger really cannot They're get They're so enough. good. And we have one more this episode. So let's take our little break and then we'll come back and talk about our second two-parter where it definitely doesn't turn out that anyone else is a descendant of the Die civilization. 
right after yeah. Rin was told that, like, it's a big deal. Right. Traitor! Okay. That's what this episode's called. The traitor is what the episode is called. Yeah, so episode seven is, it's, okay, there's a lot happening here. There's a lot. Yeah. First, we go, okay, so we're opening in the, like, Gorma stronghold. And everyone's complaining about the Die Ranger being able to, like, because they just revived the mythical uh, Key Beast and... They're all, like, worried about, like, well, how are we going to deal with this now? Like, we're not going to be able to win with these beasts being awakened. And they're all kind of complaining. They're all kind of sad on their luck there. Suddenly, (laughs) there's, like, this strange laughter coming out of their warehouse. And this, like, there's this big pomp and circumstance that occurs as a hooded man is, like, carried into (laughs) their, like, area. And then there's... I don't know. There's like petals being thrown. I don't get it. And this man comes out or comes off as palanquin, I guess is what it is. Mm-hmm. And and he turns out to be an archbishop. Okay. And you know, I love theology, but what? What religion? Couldn't tell you. Who knows? He's just archbishop Riju. And he has this big beard. It's great. Obviously Eastern Orthodox. I don't know. He says lots of things that make me both like... Oh, I wonder what that means. And like, what does that mean about the Gorma's leadership structure? Right. Yeah. Because they're like, the Gorma are really upset. I'm like, well, aren't these guys the Gorma? Or part of the Gorma or what? Like, he definitely has more superiority, kind of, than these three. But it's also apparently Mm -hmm. like, not actually part of the Gorma. He's an ally. It's it's a lot of unclear. It's, It's, Yeah. He's a middle manager who's also an independent contractor. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. We do at least get the sense that our three commanders are, first of all, a little individualistic. And second of all, like, they have bosses that maybe things aren't always great between them and their bosses. Like, there's some interesting, like, color here that is like, oh, yeah, that's, they're they're more dynamic than they've ever seen (laughs) after this opening, but not exactly clear. Right. And I do think this is the first time that we, and I don't know, maybe it's the first time that it's like super clear that we get all of their names and like who they are specifically. Like the the, the female one is Gara, and then there's Shaddam, who's the guy with the, the ring on his eye. And then the other one, the kind of gender non-conforming one is Zedos mm-hmm. or Zedos. And there's like some history there because this archbishop is used to like train Zedos specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and turns out now he has, like, a new apprentice. <laughs> this is, like, very Star Wars. I'm just going to say this right now. It's this two very Star Wars. It's very Star Wars. <laughs> in, like, a good way. Not in, like, the current Star Wars way. In a good it way. It pulls it off. And, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It also kind of explains why I've always kind of thought that they're, like, the Gorma theme has, like, Imperial March motifs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why. This was Let's all intentional, I think. Yeah. So... He introduces his new um, apprentice, who is Iron Face Shoru. Yeah. And he is, looks like a shogun warrior. He looks really cool. 
And they're immediately like, oh, no, not him. He was a traitor. He's a traitor. We can't trust him. And they're and the archbishop is like, shut up. He's my apprentice. Deal with it. He's more powerful than all of you. And they have a little bit of an altercation over it. But it's very clear that Iron Face Shoru is like super, super powerful. Yeah, so it, it's such a dynamic opening that like never quite gets fully explained. But like, I love that you're right. Like, we haven't heard the name. I think Shaddam's name came up in the last two part or like at one moment. But, yeah. Like, one otherwise, time. it's just been like written down. Like the, these three are starting to feel like people in a way that just like, mm-hmm. oh, such a such a benefit to the Gorma as interesting villains. And Iron Face Charlie yeah. looks really cool. And he's great. He's great. So then we cut to what the Diamond are doing. And what they're doing is just like having a nice Saturday. I think. <laughs> would you call visiting your parents' grave a nice Saturday? Well, you know, it's something you would do on a Saturday. Sure. <laughs> like, we just kind of see, like, Ryu is visiting his parents' grave with the sister that he referenced in the first episode. That really is his sister. That wasn't a figure of speech. Yoko. And, because I know we weren't quite sure, but she shows up again. And they're visiting his parents' graves. Both of them are dead. We found out. Wow. And the dad in particular sad. died long, long ago. Yeah, he died first when Ryo was five. And Yoko has no memory of him whatsoever. And definitely this dead dad who we've only been introduced to in this episode in won't this episode, pay off immediately. Yeah, directly after being introduced to this really cool Iron Face Shoru guy. I don't know. They're they're completely unrelated. I have no reason to think that they're totally related in the way that they are. Anyway, so then the other... We also see that Rin and... Um, Shoji. Soji are rin shopping. Shoji's carrying all of her shit. It's cute. They have my favorite yeah. pipes, by the way. If, if I'm taking a side in the love square, I'm I'm team Shoji. <laughs> okay, team Shoji. I don't I mean, sure. He's fine. You don't want to stake <laughs> like, a claim yet? I don't I mean, I think he's the only one who has like a like a actual dynamic with her. Like yeah. the the others are just kind of like there. So anyway, they're shopping. In the midst of this, there's like, I'm not even like, it happened all so quickly. That yeah, I'm not a little boy clear. just gets grabbed and then we're just in a fight. Yeah. It's... He just like gets grabbed. Uh, Shoji's like, I have to save him. He does. There's a lot of jumping. We're in a fight. And then Iron Fist Shoru shows up and kicks everyone's ass. Yeah. They call for backup right away. And like Daigo and Kazu are right there because of plot reasons. And so like yeah. it is Choru versus these four. And like he just absolutely wipes the floor. with. And uh, crucially, uh, like they can't teleport. Rio is running. He's like running a lot. They can only teleport to China. I guess. Maybe there's like a direct teleport chamber from Kaku's basement. Who knows? But Choru can harness the power of both Chi power and Yo power, which is very confusing to everyone. The dark side and the light side to really lean in to the Star Wars of it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they fight. Shoru is like, have Kaku meet me at the Hell Valley. Great name. And at three o'clock, if he doesn't, because he kidnaps the other three rangers leaving Shoji. Ryo hasn't showed up yet. Leaving so- Shoji and says, you know, have Kaku meet me in the Hell Valley. Have him come at three o'clock alone. If he comes up a minute late, I'm going to kill the other rangers. And that's it. He kidnaps them via earthquake. He like makes a big chasm in the ground and like it eats the rangers up. And then he's just like, well, I got them. It's that. <laughs> I don't know exactly how so it works, funny. but it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because Shoji just kind of climbs out of it. <laughs> yeah. He like, like dodges he it. The capture. other ones don't. He rolls the, yeah. the save and that works. <laughs> 
Yeah, he get, his dexterity was high enough. But in, in any case, so Shoji's really shaken up about this because it was such a decisive kind of victory. There was nothing they really could have done. That when Ryo shows up, he has to like kind of like snap him out of it. He's like, what the hell is your problem? What happened? And they go back to their command center basement and Kaku is immediately Kaku's like... basement. That's just what I'm calling it now. I, it has to be what it's because, like, when they left before, they were like in the sewers. It looks like it's, I don't know. It's definitely subterranean. Yeah. So Kaku's like, "Oh, I see. What's his name? Iron Fishoru." Hmm. And proceeds to lock Rio in in like a supply closet. He does. He does tell them who Shoru is, though. At least, yeah, the basic version. Yeah, very much like I knew him in the Clone Wars. Like, it's not very, it's like he was a traitor 6,000 years ago. He used to be a, a die ranger and he was a traitor. Uh, he switched sides mid-fight and because of that, things didn't work out. Yeah, they lost the Lili balls. <laughs> they lost the Lili balls. <laughs> I'm like avoiding saying it because it's just like it's fake. Not me. <laughs> I yeah, they lost the Lele balls forever. So, like, ostensibly, the team that Shoru was a part of never summoned, or maybe they could have, well, I don't know. I kind of took it as, like, they never summoned the Megazord. They specifically didn't, but we'll get there in the next episode. Yeah. yeah. And so he explains this, and he's like, yeah, I guess I'm going to go there. But before I do that, and he, like, basically does some, like, fast action and, like, locks Ryo in this supply closet and tells Shoji not to let him out under any circumstances. Supply closet is not shaking the weird basement allegations. Either. No, it's Just... like, and I kept trying to like get a view and well, cause then there's like that, that window that's clearly like a window from a subterranean space. It seems mm-hmm. like to me anyway, I'm not sure of the structure. <laughs> I don't think if anyone has any ideas, write in. Let us know what you think it is. I just want to know what it's supposed to be. Like, because it yeah. just strikes me as some guy's weird basement. Well, and he and he does seem like a guy who would have a weird basement. Yeah. Like it's absolutely. not a stretch. So yeah. So Rio's really frustrated because he obviously wants to go save his friends. So Shoji's really confused because he's like, why? why don't you want us with you? And Kaku's just like, shut up and do what I say. And so Shoji's like, fine. But very quickly, Ryo kind of tricks Shoji into letting him out. Yeah, I do feel bad for Shoji here because Shoji was like uh, Jon Snow. I was there. I was at hard home. I saw them. Like Shoji Mm -hmm. experienced this guy and got his world rocked. And like Ryo was playing a little bit like if I was there, things would have been differently. And Shoji's kind of being like, I'm not so sure my dad. Like, (laughs) I yeah. don't. I don't know. <laughs> it this, was really fucked up. This trick is like a little mean. It does yeah. involve Shoji getting punched in the face. Yeah, and it's also. I actually thought it was like a good trick though, because like I was also like, oh, it's a twist a little bit because they obviously they pan to this window in the supply closet, and then you see Shoji on the outside of the door, and he's like, I'm sorry, I can't let you out, and you hear glass breaking, and he's like, oh my god, what is that? Rio, are you in there? And Rio's not answering, so it seems like Rio has escaped through the window, right? Well, no, he just broke some glass and made it sound like that, so Shoji would open the door, and then he punches him out, and he leaves. And then there's some more running. More Rio running. That's a lot of what this episode is. Oh, yeah. And he's a good runner, so it's fine. But meanwhile, we see this, like, really cool, like, Dragon Ball Z-esque fight. (laughs) It's great. It's so good. Between Iron Face Shoru and Master Kaku, and... They are like 
talking it's like kind of philosophical because mm-hmm. she was explaining his powers and like why he wanted to use both both the chi powers and the yo powers and how it like unlocks the true power and all the stuff and he's like no, and kaku's like no the chi power is more powerful because it's the light power it is very star wars though like the, this is a conversation about the force it really is yeah the, his point <laughs> is that yo is the shadow power and and Choru is saying like you have to balance light and shadow and Kaku's saying, like, shadow is just a corruption of the light. So, like, I'm just sticking yeah. with light. Right. So, eventually, though, Rio does show up. He doesn't, like, immediately break into the fight, which I think is, like, the first smart thing he's done in a while. Yeah, in seven episodes <laughs> or so. Yeah. And instead, he sees his friends tied up, because they're tied up over this, like, on this cliff um, looking down into the valley so you can see them and they're yeah. watching the fight and they're seeing everything happen tied onto so, big posts yeah always big posts i don't know can they just generate them with yeah. their hands i don't they go know. to home depot <laughs> they first go to menards and get some big posts anyway so he goes up there to kind of untie them and he's like this will even the odds will be it'll be great immediately is caught doing that while this fight is all going on causes uh, Shoru to have an opening to really just, you know, kick the shit out of Kaku. He's really um, injured quite and severely. I seriously thought that, like, Kaku was just going to be dead. And I was like, I oh, that's kind of cool. Like, it's kind of a cool thing to have, like, this mentor figure and then now he's just gone. That's not what happens. He's yeah. fine. But, yeah. So, yeah, I had a couple of theories about this because I was like, is this going to be, be, like, we're really early on in the series and i was like is this going to be getting be the beginning of the white ranger like is shoru going to like turn good and become the white ranger no but <laughs> no that's not what happens and anyway i was just thinking that for a second that's a good theory anyway that's basically how the episode ends it's like this horrible thing where where there's this fight and then also because of kaku being knocked out then shoru turns on ryo and starts to beat him up and just before he's gonna kill him we realize kaku isn't dead and he says wait no don't that's your son and it's kind of like a you know an inversion of an old favorite yeah we all we all know this scene and he's like wait my son and everyone's like really like bewildered by this and the episode ends with shoru basically just stopping his like sword going into Rio. It's very dramatic. It's great. Yeah. And that's that. I will say, while Choru will not ultimately become the White Ranger, I do not blame you for thinking that because, like, this trope that my dad I thought was dead is actually one of the bad guys is something that shows up many times throughout Super Sentai. And I think a couple times in Power Rangers 2 in, like, a direct adaptation. And in one of those cases, Mm -hmm. Magic Ranger, like, that person does become one of the Rangers. So, like, it's certainly not unheard of to see this type of, of thing. And so I think that I was also wondering where it would go, but definitely also thought that Choru was going to be with us for quite some time as like a big, scary general villain. But yeah, that's not what happens either. <laughs> no. What happens next, John? Well, episode eight is called Father, in keeping with the theme, which I love. And so this fight really quickly leaves. Choru is like, oh, okay, if he's my son, I don't want to kill him, and leaves the fight. So we're back in Kaku's weird basement. Everyone's okay, but um, Kaku has some explaining to do. And he's like, no, like, I wasn't lying. Choru is 6,000 years old. He's from the Dai civilization. And, like, 20 years ago, I do not know why, he disguised himself as a human, and he 
was with your mom and had you and your sister and then abandoned y'all. Like, that's what happened. And I've been watching you ever since. That's why I was there in the first episode. And so, like, here we go. Yeah. Nothing is random. This is all meant to be. Rio, understandably, is a little like, um, what? And isn't processing this very well. So he goes to a random beach where Choru comes and finds him and uh, shows him a picture he's kept of Rio as a young boy and his mother and his sister as a baby and is like, yeah, you're my son. I believe this is real. And the Gorma are going to win. So I want you to come join me because uh, you're my kid. And Rio is like, no, thank you, sir. But with like angry yelling because it's Super yeah. Sentai. <laughs> and Churu yeah. says like, okay, if that's your choice, then uh, next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. Which is a scary thing to be told by your dad, who you recently discovered exists. And and throughout this episode, we keep seeing these flash of this memory that Rio has of being on the beach and like running towards his parents and running up to his father and keep not seeing his father's face, which is like, it feels like they're wanting to play the like, some sort of like, is this real? But the problem is like, (laughs) we have no reason to doubt the fact that it's real. Like we only just learned about this man. And like, right. Like, what's the alternative? Like, what's the lie? Why would Kaku lie about this? Right. Well, and here's the thing, too. It's like, immediately, like, the juxtaposition of, like, the archbishop being like, this is my apprentice. And they're like, oh, no, that was a traitor. His face is obscured, whatever. And then we have, this is in episode seven, but, and then we have this scene at the, the grave and... Rio has this memory and the face is obscured and it's just like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like you're there. You're already with it. It's, it's yeah, very strange. The I was... much more interesting question is why did this 6,000 year old warrior have two babies yeah. 20 years ago? Which like does kind of get answered, but isn't the one we're spending a lot of time thinking about. Um, no. Especially because immediately after this, Rio is like, I'm choosing denial. But Archbishop Riju isn't happy that Choru hesitated because of his kid he's like yeah i trained you better than this i'm gonna take matters in my own hands and we see him turn into his monstrous form which is called archbishop saw it's another like great great monster it like it, it's really evocative oh, yeah. of ganesha the the hindu elephant god like is is the one that i'm really like thinking of here i think it's meant to evoke that but like instead of a big hat and like a trunk it's like a big saw but it has that shape and that aesthetic it's like a very strange pull but like really works there's eyes everywhere another cool but, monster but like also like that totally makes sense i totally get the where you got from that i also got like biblical angel vibes because of the many many eyes mm, that's a good point and he is an archbishop yeah it yeah it's just another like all of the monsters just are cool. such weirdos they're so cool and it's very after like, like especially Chu, where all the monsters are just like i don't know an animal which like don't get me wrong i love yeah. a pudgy pig but like these monsters are just very creative. They're just so, like, scary and cool and, like, yeah, it's great. We're into it. But Archbishop Shaw... Shaw. Archbishop Saw is going to take matters into his own hands. So the rest of the team is really mostly worried about, like, y'all, I don't think we can take this Choru guy no matter whose daddy he is. And Rio's like, no, we totally can. I've chosen denial. I've chosen to not acknowledge what's going on. I'm going to laugh a little bit. And like, we're just going to use teamwork and take them down. And they're all like, okay, buddy, if you say so. Very clearly uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. Because he is being like a little unreasonable. 
But you yeah. know what? They can have a little empathy. This is maybe a hard thing to discover that your life is a lie and your dad is a 6,000-year-old evil betrayer guy. Yeah. And that's the Korma do a 9-11. I don't know how else to describe it because, like, the way we get into this shot is we see a shot of two skyscrapers exploding. And it's like, oh, the Gorma are attacking. <laughs> but, like, that's a lot of dead people. Well, you know, 9-11 hadn't happened yet, so they weren't, no one was concerned. I wonder, like, is... if post-9-11 you still do shots of just, like, random exploding skyscrapers. I don't know. I think it's not you... an American well, show. That, that one episode of Pokemon was pulled from circulation even though they had it dubbed post 9-11 because of that yeah um, i mean it makes sense because it, yeah, it, it, it's upsetting like they show it all the time they'll show yeah. the sword fights but at least then you can be like maybe they evacuated but this is like so sudden out of nowhere skyscraper explodes yeah. you're like thousands of people are dead like right <laughs> that's horrible <laughs> but yeah it's archbishop saw and he teleports them he doesn't even like stay there to kill the people he teleports all the die ranger to what we are told is the first plane of hell again i have no reason to doubt mm-hmm. this we're not told otherwise it looks an awful lot like the like quarry beach space we do a lot of fights in but apparently we're in the first plane of hell sure why not why not so they're like <laughs> let's not waste time let's go straight for our finisher cheap power bomber it doesn't work at all he is far too strong for that and in fact turns it back on them and blasts them all right out of their morphed state um and he's like time to kill this kid who made my little special iron face boy go soft he's like torturing him it's like a lot of them just getting the shit beat out of them in this part of the episode and honestly, for this whole two-parter, it's sort of like, Die Ranger, not that great yet. I did write down, this Ranger team sucks. Like, they're just not, they're not hitting the vibe yet. They're not there. I feel like they we'll get, get there, rocked quite frequently, which I yeah. mean, sort of makes sense for what we know about them and their experience. But Rio <laughs> is like, daddy, daddy, we need your help. Again, in a more screaming yeah. Super Sentai way. But that is basically what he says. And Choru can't deny his feelings of love for his son and turns on his master mm-hmm. another kind of cool fight not quite as cool as him and Kaku, but like a cool fight between these two and they both get some really intense blows in on each other uh riju is sort of thrown away seemingly dead he's not spoiler but yeah choru is grievously injured and uh this is where it becomes clear that like oh no he's just gonna be with us for these two episodes i i yeah. was assuming he was gonna be with us all season long no, he dies. Yeah, because he's such a gravitas. But really, we're just doing the end of Return of the Jedi. Like, truly just... Yeah, we're just really quickly doing Empire <laughs> and then Return of the Jedi in these two episodes. And then we're going to be done with this, I guess. Yeah, and we'll never see him again. Rio removes his father's mask, sees his face. We finally see him see his father's face in the memory. It's real, but it's also like, of course it was real. Uh, Choru gives a very quick explanation of just like, even though he betrayed his friends... And thought the Gorm were going to win. Like, he could never turn his back on love. Like, he always believed in love. He loved Rio's mother. He loves Rio. And the spirits of his betrayed comrades appear and forgive him. And As force ghosts. As force ghosts, because we're in Return of the Jedi. Obi-Wan Kenobi says it's fine. And then Choru says that because of his betrayal, that there's actually a power inside the Lilai Balls that they never even had the chance to use. But now the Die Ranger are going to get to use it. So, like... The yeah. ancient warriors power up their Lila balls even more. I'm not going to stop saying it. Go ahead. And Choru dies. That's it. That's all with Choru. Yeah. He just dies. Asked and answered in terms of Choru. But of course, Archbishop Saw is not dead. He's giant and he's here to attack so that they can use the new power of the mythical Lila balls. Yeah. Which is the ability to form the Megazord. It's called Dyrino. It's yeah. much cooler 
when you get to see it do stuff. I was like really thinking about how, because when we've seen the Thunder Megazord in Power Rangers, it's been spliced mm-hmm. with Juju footage. So we do not see the interactions. This fight is cool. This is a cool Megazord. Yeah. Yeah, he like uses his like samurai sword and it's really fun. It's like He's sunset. It's it's yeah. It's really vibey. It fits the sort of martial arts movie theme. I don't know why these five Chinese mythical beasts form a Japanese samurai warrior. I can't explain that. I'm not a scientist, but like it is <laughs> really cool <laughs> like he's just like cool. it's really neat archbishop shaw runs at him and he's like oh now i'm gonna draw my sword it's just like i don't know samurai shit's cool and it it's always cool and of course because all attacks have to have names and it can't just be like now we swipe the thunder sword the the right. final swipe is called great storm and stress chi king shot which is so many words <laughs> mm-hmm but they all have to, they have to, and I do like that they're, stay, they're still, like, saying their attacks before they do them, and it's very much, it's just nice. It's great. I like that. I, I always want to see it. Saw is killed. He's also not going to be in any more of this. These characters really felt like such presences. <laughs> yes, they felt huge, and now they're gone. Like, <laughs> okay. Is Rio ever going to tell his sister about any of this? I'm not sure. We have no evidence Probably not. But he goes back to the beach. I he sort of he has will. a moment honoring his departed father. And the team is stronger and more united forever. We finally have a Megazord. I do kind of like that they take their time in Sentai to get there because the Megazord feels so powerful. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. I think it's, like, a really well-earned thing. And, like, the team does, like, get better, like, through this. They're, like, more bonded. And ready to face their next adventure. That is these two two two-parters. So we kind of alluded to it at the beginning of this episode, but how are you feeling about Dianger now that we're a little deeper in? I think, I think we've, like, worked out the kinks. Like, I mean, obviously there's still a lot of character stuff that probably needs to, like, happen. Because they're still (laughs) not super fleshed out. No. But I think they have been kind of, like forged in fire here like we have a we have a team like is it a great team we'll see but we have a team and they seem united by this like traumatic event and i'm into that like whereas before they just seemed really disparate i mean there were multiple episodes that we watched prior to this where they're like maybe i don't want to be a ranger anymore and it was just like weird really it's like yeah. what <laughs> so yeah. yeah so i think we're over that I think so, too. The world just feels like it has more, I guess, like, pun intended color. They just Mm -hmm. feel a little more like characters, like people. I'm, like, more interested in their dynamics and... They just have more going on, even and both that's on the Ranger side and the Gorma side. And I think the show is finding yeah. its way to be this like very action forward show while still showing off the characters. And I think if we stick with this two parter formula, I don't know if we will, that will even let them do that a little more because it doesn't have to be like we have to squeeze a story about one Ranger into this one episode. We have two with all these fights, so maybe that'll work. Kazu is the one person I feel like really shrug about. Well, he's gay. Yeah, he's a hairdresser. So, what more to say? Looking forward to returning to him. The next episode's Daigo again. But hopefully Mm -hmm. we'll we'll get to know the Rangers even better. They'll sort of click in. I I think it fits the sort of martial arts movie formula that they are improving and that the team maybe will look very different at the end of the season than it does now. And I just, I like, these episodes just felt like they had more weight in almost every way. And so I could enjoy what I already liked, which was cool fights, but with... A little more backing, and that felt really good to me. I really enjoyed these episodes. Yeah, specifically, I think, in regards to Rio, because in the first two-parter, he's kind of like a non-entity. 
you know, he's the one who tells Rin to stay behind. Like, we don't want to deal with you. And he just kind of seems, he's more frustrated than anything. Like, most of Mm -hmm. his emotions, even in the previous episodes, were just like, well, this is annoying. Well, this is hard. Well, this is whatever. He hasn't really, like, bought into being a Die Ranger. And so it does take his dad showing up and threatening to kill him for him to do that. But I'm glad that he's here. Yeah, I... (laughs) I often get annoyed when there's, like, too much Red Ranger, but, like, I think I've realized what happens when there's too little now. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. I actually do need yeah. this character to be a presence. And I love that he yeah. has a sister. Like, I'm big into Power Rangers and Sentai having siblings. I think it's fun, whether mm-hmm. they are on the team or off the team. I think they both of those things add really interesting dynamics to their life. And, and I especially, I like it when it feels like they have relationships outside the team. That's something we didn't get in Shoe-Ranger at all. So I'm really Definitely. excited to hope that Yoko is more of a character now that she's appeared in a couple episodes. I'm, I'm sure she'll never be huge, but that she just like can be there. That they have this connection outside the team that matters to them. I think that's very cool. Yeah, definitely. But that is going to be it for us. Let us hope and pray to the stars above. I feel like it's inevitable that our next Power Rangers episode also gets back on its feet. Uh, That's what we'll be doing for our (laughs) next episode. It's episodes five through eight of Power Rangers season two. That's on Netflix in the US if you want to watch along with us. And the next episode after that, I think we're going to try to watch the movie for Die Ranger. I don't know if we're going to be able to find it. So I say that to say, if you have a way, if you find it somewhere and want to shoot us a link... I won't be mad. And also like wherever we do find it is probably like questionable. So we may not be able to like share that with you. So like if you want to do some investigation now, because you're planning to watch with us, Die Ranger movies coming in a couple episodes. Right. And then I think, well, eventually we're going to have it. Like we're also going to have a Power Ranger movie. Like I think that'll be the end of this season. Because it's it is yeah. it's an alternate version of the transition to ninja powers, which is right, the two to three right. transition. So like that's coming. I'm excited. That's gonna be like our our candy at the end of season two. I mm-hmm. think is that we're gonna get to <laughs> yeah watch the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's a fun one. Okay, cool, man. This was uh yeah definitely feeling a lot better about Die Ranger after this for sure. We love it. How are you feeling mm-hmm. about the show, about yeah. life, about everything? Let us know. Uh, rate and review the show on your podcast platform, teachmesentai at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram or Tumblr at teachmesentai. We love hearing from y'all. Once again, patreon.com yeah. is teachmesentai if you want to support the show financially. But otherwise, like we just love those likes on the post about the episode. We love hearing what you guys are thinking about the episodes as we go. And thank you for listening as always. Yeah, thanks. All right. So I think that leads us to the most important question of the episode, John. What color ranger would you be if you got a Morphit today? I'm once again in that like white shirt, black short situation, which never, I'm never quite sure. I think it's more white today. I'm wearing a Power Ranger shirt, actually. Um, this is a shirt oh. you got me. So it has all nice. the colors on it, but it's a white shirt. I think I'm a white ranger. I'm a white ranger who's okay. a Power Ranger super fan who becomes a Power Ranger. Ooh, fun. What about fun. you? I am wearing like a maroonish shirt. So I think I'm a six ranger who's also a red ranger. I think that's the situation. Like a quantum ranger or like that one red ranger in Ninja Storm who's not the red ranger but the other one. Yeah, the other one. He's like crimson. What is he called? They're like beetles. I I don't know. I love Ninja Storm. They're like thunder. Yeah, Ninja Storm is so fun. We should think about doing that one. Yeah, both Ninja Storm and Time Force are just good times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but let us know what color ranger you are. And until our next episode... May the power protect you. Bye. Teach
Teach Me Sentai is produced and hosted by Natalie Bridgman and John McDonough. Our incredible music is by Christopher Bridgman and our wonderful podcast art is by Yvonne14. You can find their work on Twitter at E-A-V-O-N 14 or on Instagram at Yvonne.14.art. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash teachmesentai and new episodes come out every other Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.